0: blog talk radio
2: good evening I'm
3: Alfa we can be as badass as we want we now live in a nation where doctors destroy health lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge governments destroy freedom the press destroys information religion destroys morals our banks destroy the economy the inability to defend on all of these fronts be it voter suppression and you can go down the line you can go down the line Good evening. I'm Alpha. This is the Alpha Show.
4: Now, the master of common sense take no prisoners in politics and game making. The man from Chicago who's got their numbers. This is Advanced Urban
5: Political Talk Radio with Alpha. Here's Alpha.
3: Well, good evening, good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Show, where the truth must be spoken more than once. I am, let's call it a quandary, because I don't know whether to be angry or to be, I told you so, the media. Let's start with the media. They've been so afraid. They've been so standoffish, cavalier, indifferent. And how is it that presidents, from Bush, Obama, now Trump, allow this Bob Woodward? to hang around, knowing he's a snake. This is the, this is the, just the obvious. You are gonna bite me, snake story, or the scorpion. You're gonna sting me. And the, I'll call it the nice, helpful American media wants to invite them onto the boat to carry them across the river. And when they are stung or bitten, scorpion or the snake, they act surprised. Well, why did you bite me or sting me? Well, you know I was a snake or a scorpion when I got on the boat with you. I just do what I do. This is where the media is. These Bob Woodward tapes and this Bob Woodward book. And why do you call, why did he name the book Rage when he should have named the book Media Cowardness? And I don't, you know, I don't want to rain on the media. Yes, I do. But they helped him into this position. And they've um, done the American people a great disservice. And the disservice is the lack of information depriving the American people of information that is usable. The Democratic Party is in close second to the media because if you don't see it, you don't need to be a part of the Democratic Party. This is what I mean when I say the AOCs of the world, what do they call themselves, the the gang, the crowd, whatever the hell it is they call themselves, the Bernie Sanders of the world. This is what I mean when I say grab them by the neck and drag them kicking and screaming, further to the left. There is no such animal as radical left. But the media and the Democrats allow themselves to be pushed to that side. And that's what I mean. These are revelations in these tapes alone that spell out what you're dealing with, what the media would know that they were dealing with, what the meta, the, the science, the science knew what we were dealing with. And I can't help it. I just, I'm waiting for this a-hole, or like this asshole to call me, the same one that called me last week, talking about riots, talking about the things that American people are more interested in, what could be more interesting than 200,000 American deaths? This is a Benghazi Times. What? what? Somebody do the math for me. Because right now, I'm my mind to get to that point. Ebola came to the shores. And if it had been played the way Trump has played the coronavirus, what would they have done with the Obama administration? I have one post in the chat room that simply in Rachel Maddow, basically brought it home. Rachel Maddow basically said, this is the part where president is asked to step down, to resign. He has violated his oath of office. He has not protected the American people Per his oath of office. He has not done what was right for the American people. And in these recordings, everything points to incompetence. In these recordings, well, and in this book, Dr. Fauci is mm, Dr. Fauci is quoted as saying things like he was rudderless; he had no direction; he was in total confusion, and that's where we are. People, That's where we are. This man had no business being president. But he found a way to cheat. <laughs> uh, that's right. He found a way to cheat. <laughs> that's right, Scooby. He became president. The media looked the other way. Democrats look the other way.
6: If you don't have a job and you're not rich, blame yourself.
3: If you didn't say anything about Donald Trump being the rudderless, incompetent, racist, sexist, rapist that he was coming into office. Don't blame anybody. Blame yourself. This is where you look at the Trump supporters. And there are so many stories. The The websites are filling up. Uh, uh, Chris Como he opened his CNN show that blasting Trump, talking to the MAGA crowd and asking him, is this the part where he told you he was going to lie to you? And that's basically it. And tell me one thing, how is it that anything that comes out of his mouth is not basically referred to as a lie? And anything that comes out of his mouth, your response should be, is this the same guy that told us Mexico was going to pay for the wall? Is this the same guy that told us? And just go down the list. Go down the list of lies. There are more lies than truth. There is more that you can recall that he has done and told you just the opposite. And now we find ourselves wringing our hands and basically saying that, convincing ourselves that somehow he was going to get reelected. I spoke with um, my CEO last week and she was running down the reasons That she felt that he would be reelected. I got a call from a clown, and I referred to him as a clown, because that's what he is, or that's what he was. He calls me up and tells me that America was more concerned about the protest and the rioting, and the ninety three percent of the protests were. Have been peaceful That's not my numbers Those are the numbers From the study That was done About all of the protests 93% of the protests Have been peaceful So let's just Get that out there right now So please please can someone explain this to me with what has come out about this book oh and by the way in other news Susan Collins uh, has new corruption allegations and possible ethnic probe coming on her so her reelection is on life support. We will flip the Senate. We will bum rush this clown of a president out of office. We must. These are the things that make me sit up and take notice. It literally makes me sit up and take notice, almost like a B movie. <laughs> Racism is up, human rights are down. <laughs> uh, I love that little part of the of the song uh, where Gil scott hit and breaks that down. It's just unreal. It is just unreal. And I could go back and listen and listen and listen forever. It makes no sense what the American people have been exposed to. No sense whatsoever. There are two tapes that I grabbed, well, two recordings that I grabbed about this clown, this so-called president. And I'm going to play this first one. And, you know, I'd rather be, well, I'll break it down after I play it. There
7: you go. Stunning is to read and to hear the president acknowledging he was told early on, in early February, that the virus was a big problem in China, that airborne transmission was happening, and that it was far more serious than any flu. What he told Woodward about the coronavirus threat and what he was telling the American people in that same period of time are night and day. The gravity of what he was being told compared to the limited actions he took in those early days raised new and profound questions about this president's pandemic mismanagement. CNN obtained an early copy of Rage and of some of the audio recordings Woodward made in his 18 conversations with the president. Our CNN special correspondent, Jamie Gangel is breaking this news right now and is here to walk us through the most significant pieces of information. Jamie, let's start with early February. This is when the president was telling the American people, China is on top of this. There's little reason to worry, but...
0: So. Remember, for those of us from Watergate, Howard Baker, what did the president know and when did he know it? That's what Bob Woodward lays out in this book. And what we know is from Woodward's account that on January 28th, his national security advisor, Robert O'Brien, tells him in a top secret briefing this is going to be the greatest threat of your presidency. At the same time, the president is, as you said, playing it down. But what Woodward did, with the president's permission, was he recorded all of these interviews. There are 18 wide-ranging interviews. And what we're going to play you first is the president, in his own words, February 7th, telling Woodward, in striking detail, just how much he understands about how deadly and dangerous the virus is
7: and so what was uh President Xi saying yesterday. Well we were
1: talking mostly about the uh the virus and I think he's gonna have it in good shape, but you know, it's a very tricky situation. It's
8: uh it indeed it goes indeed it
1: goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch you don't have to touch things, right? But the air you just breathe the air. and That's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. You know, people don't realize we lose 25,000, 30,000 people a year here. Who, who would ever think that, right?
7: I know. It's I mean, it's pretty productive.
1: amazing.
5: And uh, then I say, well, is that
1: the same thing?
7: For
5: this is more
1: friend. deadly. This is five per... You know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff.
0: John, I, I just want all of us to remember, we are used to the virus now, as used as you can be. But if you go back to the beginning of February, the American public, we thought this was a problem in China. The notion of it being airborne, uh, 5% more deadly. These are very specific details that the president had in the very same time period that he is saying it's all going to go away.
7: Right, That's February 7th. You just played that piece of the conversation. He talks about how deadly it is. He said two weeks later, 20 days later, in India, it's a problem that's going to go away. Within a couple of days, it's going to be down to zero. The president telling Woodward one thing, telling the American people and the world something very different. But you... The interesting part is the president makes no bones about it, that he was doing this on purpose, that he decided as a strategy not to convey the seriousness of this because he didn't want to, quote, inside a panic?
0: Correct. So Woodward does another interview, uh, March 19th. We also have the audio of that. Again, the president in his own words. And just to set this up, remember, He has been publicly minimizing the threat to young people. Not a problem for young people. He still minimizes uh, the threat to young people. So he addresses that, and then uh, you'll hear he admits that he's not sharing everything he knows.
1: Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob, but just today and, and yesterday some uh, startling facts came out it's not just old older yeah
9: exactly young people
1: to plenty of young people so well, uh, what is going uh, on give in- me
9: and- an,
7: a, a moment of talking to somebody going through this with Fauci or somebody who kind of uh, it caused a pivot in your mind because it's clear just from what's in on the public record that you went through a pivot on this to oh my God, the gravity is uh, almost inexplicable and unexplainable. Well, I think Bob
1: really, to be honest with sure, you. Sure, I want you to. I be. wanted to.
7: Uh,
1: I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic.
0: You know, but John, this wasn't just about panic. Uh, The White House, we know, is very concerned about the economy. The president is very concerned about getting reelected. And uh, what I think you have to just remind people is we've put together uh, some of what the president is saying at the same time publicly in stark contrast.
5: The
1: virus. They're working hard. Looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. I hope that's true. But we're doing great in our country, China. I spoke with President Xi, and they're working very, very hard. And I think it's going to all work out fine. And again, when you have 15 people, and the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero. uh, That's a pretty good job we've done. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. And from our shores, you know, it could get worse before it gets better. Maybe go away. We'll see what happens. Nobody really knows. Stay calm. It will go away. You know it is going away. And it will go away. And we're going to have a great victory.
0: Just to sort of give you a big picture of the book, and, and you can see right there the contrast Woodward paints a picture in this book of failed leadership, a betrayal of trust of the American people. We see February as a lost month where something could have been done. He knew. And you just have to wonder when you read this book if the president had not played it down and if he had shared with the public these details, if he had shut down the country. If he had said, wear a mask, he knew it was airborne. Wash your hands, socially distance. We have lost almost 190,000 Americans. You just have to wonder how many of those lives may have been saved.
7: Urgency for testing back then, ramp up PPE production back then. Even if you don't shut down the economy, tell people you need to socially distance, you need to protect yourselves, so we're going to get you the mask, as opposed to we'll be down to zero in a few days. It is, it is stunning.
3: What in the world is it going to take for Democrats to shame the media, to accuse them of bias, to accuse them of uneven reporting? And what is it going to take for the American people? To choose democratic politicians who have more of a ethics spine, an ethical spine, but this still comes back to the liar in chief. Twenty-one thousand lies the drumbeat all the way through to election day has to be on his failed leadership, his depraved indifference to protect the American people. By November 3rd, As I said, I believe on India's show, about a month ago, that there would be 300,000 dead. 300,000 dead
0: by November
3: 3rd, by election day. 300,000. So I'm looking for another 100,000 to die in between now and November 3rd or maybe more. This is, you can't just excuse this. You can't just let this go past. You can't just look the other way. Information has been controlled and with a purpose been kept away from the American people. The... should always finish with this is just the way it happens in Russia. This is just the way Putin wants Trump to do it. He is being coached by Putin. He is being led by the nose by Vladimir Putin. Led around by the nose. this must be the message. We need an American president. Period. We need an American president, someone who is for the American people. Not for his pocket, himself, and the cult idiots that follow him and use their numbers. 62 million voted for him because 62 million fell for his lies. 62 million ignored his misogyny, his racism, his sexual assaults. 62 million people basically said, that's okay. He's going to shake things up. And then you can start in on those senators who could have, in January, with their vote, to remove him from office, to remove him from office by finding him guilty of the proven charges. Don't just come out and say, oh, he did it, but uh, it's not impeachable. He was impeached for it. And because of politics, you sold out the American people. And that should be the message, it's a clear message, that the American people receive from the Democratic Party. From the Democratic Party has to be a better, a better understanding of exactly what we have and exactly what's happening. We cannot, I repeat, We cannot be looking to do something else. We cannot be fearful about what others are thinking. We have to go into this with our eyes wide open. Unless we do better messaging he will continue to be on... Uh, you see, he's hold, he's holding more rallies, more super spreaders. You see the number of people who they can trace back to the Sturgis rally. You know, the Trump-loving, no-mask-wearing. And then he as a leader, as a president, emphasize that this was, how did he put it? This is in the air. You can get it in the air. It's called airborne, you idiot. You idiot. It's called airborne. And how much more dangerous it is. It seems to be a crime of depraved indifference. I keep using those words. Depraved indifference is one of the defining statements of his presidency. Depraved your difference, he don't give a damn about you or the horse you rode in on. He doesn't give a damn about those MAGA hat-wearing idiots who support him, and they just can't see it. They just can't see it. People are in this economic downturn because he didn't want to create a panic. He didn't want to... He is a damnable liar. He can tell you that he didn't want to create a panic, but I can tell you that he was trying and he is still trying to take us to what is called herd immunity, where at least 2 million or maybe more will die. Herd immunity, if everybody gets it, then only the strong will survive. And those essential workers, you know, the minorities, black, Asian, frontline workers, will be the people who are dying. That is that is another message. His rush to herd immunity, and he brings his fox doctor on to lie and say it. he never said anything about herd immunity and it's getting to look a lot like that's the game plan move America into herd immunity What you see that's another messaging mishap For Democrats, herd immunity should be front and center. Herd immunity should be spoken more than once. And all he's got is to stand in front of a bunch of people who are going to spread this virus. And he keeps holding these super spreaders because nobody's going to find out about them until another three weeks a month just like former candidate Herman Cain he went to a super spreader event and he was one who perished. He was one who perished. The rest of them will go home and give it to their families and give it to the people in their community. And I would say maybe this could be a good thing because those who are reluctant to wear masks, those who, um, who follow him will begin to catch it more, but I'm not that cynical. I don't want to see anyone die from this. But now that I've said it, what the hell is wrong with me? Where is my mean streak? The people coming out of Sturgis motorcycle rally should catch it too. Should catch too, And guess what? Now he wants to see your children. After knowing that children are susceptible to this virus, if not more, this virus does not just attack your vascular to watch, to inhibit your breathing, your lungs. If you survive it, you may come out with scarred lungs, but even more, you'll come out with an even deadlier, more silent killer. Those are the blood clots that are enhanced
0: by having
3: this virus And more people are losing limbs, arms, legs, fingers, toes because of these blood clots. More people are dying from strokes and heart attacks because of the blood clots. And I'm sorry, I just can't help it. Going back to this asshole who called me last week telling me that the American people we're more concerned about the looting and the rioting. You know, the protesters are protesters. Rioters are rioters. Looters are looters. What the right has done They've sent enough people in to try to sully, sully the name of protesters, to try to tamp back and push back on people who are tired of watching police shoot unarmed black people, Hispanic people. They're tired of African Americans dying in police custody. So they're protesting. And the right's response is to infiltrate those protests. Slash and burn and riot and loot. And those aren't just people from the right looting. Those are also people who have been deprived because of the systemic institutional racism of this country and another reason for the march. Where we are is right here. How did that go? Was it, what? Oh, that was in um, Thunderdome, beyond Thunderdome. The man said, Wherever you go, there you are. And those were his exact words. Wherever you go, there you are. We are where we are right now. What in the hell happened? You know what? There's something awful funny about this damn this damn studio. Now what is
5: <laughs>
3: what has disappeared from my studio are my the number for people to call in the number for me to call in and my thin number. Gone. It is gone. And I'm going to give this call-in number a shot, 516-666-9516. Is that number correct? Somebody call me and find out. (laughs) That's 516-666-9516. If you can get in on that number, call me so i can so I can put it in my chat room so at least it'll be in front of me and um uh, I can exit this nightmare because I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you like this I have had problems. With this uh, blog talk studio and everything else, I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to call this information up, but um, it may for me. It makes no sense. So if you could try to dial that number to call in to the show and you'll appear on the board and I'll know it's the number and I can post it in the chat room. I'm thinking it's 516-666-9516. Like I said, it's missing from my studio board. So to refer to it right now, I can't. And the same happened when I was signing into my show. I had to go on my phone and go back to get the number to call in. Then I had to remember the damn post pin. So I'm writing those down because Because this is definitely going to happen again. I can count on this. But something seems to be a little amiss by the entire, entire news happenings of the day. So, there you go. I put it in the chat room. Five one six 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 nine five one six. Let me go to the phone. Five six one. Thank you for calling Truth Network, where the truth must be spoken more than once.
4: This is simply your technician calling to verify the number that you have been giving out. Your number changed like two months ago. Okay.
3: It <laughs> changed about two months ago. I had to write a number
4: last week
3: and the week before that.
4: Same How number. I
3: remember number. How do you think I remember same,
4: the number? Same number. Same number. Hey, Alpha. Um.
5: I don't know if I, I want some, you to talk.
4: Oh, okay. We're <laughs> <laughs> so good right here.
3: We're gonna
4: do it. Anyway. I'm just. I just need some help here because my main problem tonight is Bob Woodward.
5: Well, wait, wait. We were in a
4: national emergency. He had information that was critical to that emergency. I wouldn't buy his book if he sent me the money to buy it. I wouldn't read it if he sent me a free copy.
3: I would read it because
4: he had a resp- he had a responsibility because he knew exactly what was going on and people were dying as a result. I'll give you a good example and I posted it in your in your chat room. There were many people between February 7th and March 7th, who were not sure what the hell was going on. I mean, people were seeing what was happening in China. People were seeing what was happening in Italy. People were seeing what was happening in other places, the U.K., but they weren't sure exactly how that translated to what was happening in the United States. My personal physician in Boston called me on January 24th to warn me. Otherwise, I'd have just been looking at the news like everybody else and saying, oh, yeah, where do you go buy a mask? Oh, yeah, um, go get some toilet paper or whatever. And... Bob Woodward knew one week after that that Donald Trump was telling the American people the very opposite of what was occurring around the coronavirus at that time. He had a responsibility to but but you see you see what's happening here. This is how the American media, especially those of the established media, operate. Bob Woodward knew during Watergate, but he waited until Bradley gave him the go-ahead to publish it in the Washington Post. There was no one holding him back on this one. No one. And, and, and the other is that Bob Woodward is mature enough and intelligent enough and has enough understanding and information to have gauged that Donald Trump was some kind of sociopath. And he should have been ringing the bell about that as well. The other is if you listen to the tapes, he never contradicts Donald Trump, as Donald Trump was lying and talking bullshit. wh that the where the consequences were that people were dying. So that's all I got to say.
5: <laughs> you know, I,
4: I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just. I'm not understanding. You know, Peter Strzok's book is going to be out tomorrow. I got an advanced copy of it on last Thursday. And um, we allowed the Trump administration very early on, all of those people, Sally Yates, who I worked with, Sally Yates, probably has as much integrity as you would ever require of a, pub, a, a federal public servant. They fired a lot of people. It wasn't about, well, it, you know, I kind of blame Stroke for the same thing that Woodward is, was doing. But Stroke had some legal stuff as well. Because this administration under Bill Barr would have charged him with treason.
5: Well, the so thing he had to go Hades, for
4: everything right? or nothing. Excuse me? Same with Sally what? Yates. It, it, exactly. But but it, it, wait, but don't forget about don't forget about or who was the number one intelligence officer experienced in Russia. They fired him. They fired Stroke. They fired Sally Yates, protecting their people and protecting their corruption So and their treason. So the fact that people, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, I mean, you know, you and I talked earlier today. I'm um, I'm 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 kind of beside myself because two things are happening at once in my head: the current events, and we. I mean, Bob Woodward is not exposing anything that we are don't already know about Donald Trump. Um, the other is that the American people really know about the kind of corruption that this administration has wrought on our government. And that includes members of the House, the Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, uh, Jerry Nadler, Maxine Waters, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer. It includes all of them, and they have done nothing because they are the establishment. In the meantime, the same form, and this is the other part of my brain on fry, the, the, the meantime, the senior management in our government is drilling down, and they're punishing people too, and they are not having mercy. They're punishing anyone who even looks side-eyed. I'll give you an example. Uh, last night, I had a conversation with a former colleague, and they were having a problem. And it was really about a compliance and reporting protocol that I developed, which meant that if there was a problem and you do the evaluation and the assessment and the investigation. You generally end up with no less than no less than 20 pages, because in the protocol, there are sections that you have to complete. You have to have the questions and the answers about specific areas of law, of regulatory, of regulations and law. And in my, con- in my conversation with the colleague that I was helping last night, all of that has been shut down. So the same report is a template of one page on vital, vital problems and crises in this country around housing and law that's what has happened to this government under this administration um, i mean in washington i'm being referred to as the what did what she say that they're talking about i was the um last in the Mohegans or some of shit crazy shit but people have have just decided i can't do this anymore I mean, when I give up on something, this shit is hopeless. Because I'm just not a person that gives up on anything. So, wait
3: a minute! Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! I kind of take offense
4: to that.
3: Cause, uh, I do too. You were but about my, what
4: the hell?
5: You were kind
3: of giving up, up, up on, on me,
4: man. <laughs> <laughs> That's because <laughs> you know you can't be sleeping through this shit, Alfo. You can't be taking no goddamn naps. Ain't nobody taking no damn naps. The the roof is falling in. You remember remember a long time ago, I don't know what it was about, but it was in in our generation. And at the football games and the basketball games they just say, The roof, the roof and something about the roof. I I I, yeah, I yeah, never yeah, forget yeah. shit like that, but
3: yeah. Um, we don't need no water. I know it's amazing.
4: It's amazing that I married a basketball player, isn't it? Maybe because yeah. I figured he'd be on the on the on the what do you call it? They'd be on the travel all the time <laughs> or something. Alpha, I mean, uh, we are at a place. I mean, they knew not to provide the assessments and summaries, intelligence, National Council, security, intelligence, and assessment and evaluations in a report because they didn't want to get it to to the FBI. In Peter Mm Stroke's book, he talks about that. One of the first things that, What's the What's the guy's name that he, they're waiting to send us in him? Um, National, National Security. Mike Flynn. Flynn. Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn. One of the first things that Mike Flynn did. They're trying to act like Wolf did it last week. Mike Flynn did that. Y'all better read Peter Stroke's book and stop reading all this other bullshit. Mary Mary Trump. Mary Trump can't tell me anything. I worked for two Donald Trumps.
3: Well, John and
4: I was I and, and, and that was in my drinking days. If they didn't have good Scott, if I didn't have good scotch at my house, um, I think that uh I would have had a problem. Imagine. These, my. The Donald Trumps of the world are people who you can't even imagine. They are not like us. Oh, and by the way, I did want to tell you, but you had just finished taking your nap, and I figured you weren't interested. Um, I did want to tell you that all these black people, you hear about black people starting – Coalitions and organizing of Black Trump supporters—that ain't nothing but uh that's, that's and, 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 and hoax. That now that's okay. Okay, that's Russian bull. So do you want me to go now? <laughs> so I could go make me a scotch. <laughs> I, I gave up the bourbon. I'm I'm back on the scotch. um Alpha, don't know. Yes. Oh, and in case your audience wants to know, on my show on Saturday night, I'm talking to Nina Turner because I think she's the smartest political genius in this whole bunch of craziness that we're living in.
3: Well, she can't vote for Joe
4: Biden.
3: That's what I want to ask her.
4: Okay, I'll tell her. You want to know. She already told you. At some point, at some – I mean, I've been asking – I started broadcasting in 1985, and I've been asking this question to black people, and you notice black people don't come to my show too much, but I've been asking the same question. What do we want to get out of it? Some people say reparations, but if you ask them, what is reparations – They can't tell you. Some say a Trump... Nobody uh, can tell you. I mean, uh, some people say they want freedom. What the fuck is that?
3: Well, Janice, nobody can tell you what reparations are due for 400 years. There's a formula.
4: Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. There was a formula for American Japanese. There was a formula for American Germans. There's been a formula for Caribbeans. There is a formula, Alpha. I ain't going to have this conversation with you no more. <laughs> you, know, you know, I I didn't get to the, I didn't get to, I because I was on the phone with you, I didn't even start cooking dinner until 9 o'clock.
3: You don't want to start cooking dinner.
4: Well, I you're the reason you that I ate the piece of cake before I even started cooking.
3: No, yeah, you
4: cut okay. the damn cake with a spoon. You can <laughs> <laughs> That was what was available. All I saw the That's it a was a clean spoon sitting on the counter. counter. Okay, but let's go back. Let's go back to to the Woodward tapes. I will guarantee you that by the end of the month, those tapes will be confiscated. By U.S. law enforcement, and it'll come out of Homeland Security. So, Bob Woodward, I hope he made lots of copies, but he needs to turn those. T- that's why he turned the tapes over to the Washington Post. I hope he turns well, them over to everybody.
3: Well, and that's and that's my com. That's one of that's one of my but, comments.
4: But but but, but, but- Alpha. I love you, and you've been saying this stuff for 10 years you've been on the air. You and I could have written a script. I could have asked the questions, and you would have given the Trump answers. We knew. We knew that he knew, but we did nothing about it. We didn't demand that Nancy Pelosi begin New impeachment hearings. We haven't demanded anything of them. And then, you know, and I, I just, I, I, I hate feeling hopeless and helpless like this. Because Janu- come January twenty first. And I mean, oh, you know, I didn't ask you. I know I'm sounding like I'm drunk. I am not drunk. I haven't had a drink yet. I just finished dinner, but I did. I did have a half a glass of wine with my dinner. But anyway, you not you didn't talk about Michael Cohen yet. Michael Cohen oh. said Cohen said something very, very, very important. I ain't trying to take over your sure show or anything, but I'm just throwing some nuggets out, you know. But Michael oh, Cohen no, 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 no. said, D- don't
0: let me have
4: to jump up and say, Alpha, who the fuck plays the bill? <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, you no, know no, what I'm saying? There's
3: no problem with you taking over this show. I'd rather hear this from you because, like, last week when you were talking about how Trump is positioned to win again. I th- and I,
4: uh-huh. I, I, I'm going to tell you bullshit. Bullshit. He's not okay, going to win. Okay, you can talk about win. that. Trump That's is going to steal this go election. Ahead. Uh, I, you go but, ahead. but listen you, to you, what you Michael Cohen court. said last night on the Rachel Maddow show. And I think Rachel really messed up on that interview. But anyway, uh, Michael Cohen said that he predicts that Trump will win the election, he will then, between November 7th and January 21st, will resign. No, oh, you said
3: if he loses. If he loses the no, election, that's what he'll
4: do. I think it's going to happen either way and and it was, i mean and the reason i say i, I said that is because he also said that, that donald trump never wanted to be president this was a branding strategy you know it's just like you never wanted to be a talk show host you just wanted to talk about politics but anyway that's <gasps>
5: basically right
3: You're absolutely right. I
4: I know. I I love you and I know you. (laughs) So, anyway, I'm going to let somebody else talk because I feel like I'm losing my damn mind because this crap, I, I, I just can't see a way out. And I'll tell you why, Alpha. And I'm so glad you're available for me to talk this through because I, I i tried to garden and talk to myself today and and I couldn't finish any particular task I need a job is what I need but anyway
5: you
3: of
4: your man. um <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> going back
3: okay. to work now you're going back yeah. to work now?
4: i'm i i miss working oh i do i you miss do? my work oh, oh, oh. I love to my come work run.
3: I miss the camaraderie I've had with the
4: the employees.
3: I don't miss miss the work.
4: No, I miss the work. I miss taking a housing authority by the balls and just wringing it off. But anyway, but so anyway, but I, I think that if you take the Woodward interviews, and you take what Michael Cohen said, I think that Donald Trump has, and, and I think that's part of Melania's, the reason why she holds such disdain about all of this. I mean, that's very clear, is that he couldn't afford, he was jeopardizing everything becoming president. I mean, imagine for a minute he, he didn't win and he's sitting in Trump Tower Three quarters of his problems just got lobbed off. So we're in a pickle, Alpha. And I just—I—I I, I hope India calls or um, Georgia calls or somebody calls with some ideas. Because I, I—I—I simply have run out of ideas. And I was in front of the television. I was. When when, when doing the Nixon hearings, I was nursing a baby, but I was in front of the TV all day long, every day, doing every one of those hearings. And <laughs> it, it never occurred to me. I mean, I, I know that I was young, but I was out of business school. I had been in a, a corporate executive, and I had... I don't think I have been to Harvard Business School yet, but um, I understood what it meant for the White House. This has implicated this man. The what he has done in this country has implications for all of us. The only place that he has not touched, and you will, and 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 you will note this on the Alpha Show. 3 years from now, Alpha. He hasn't touched the IRS. There's a reason. He won't go up against the Federal Reserve Bank.
9: There's a reason. And the
4: stuff that 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 Deutsche Bank just hired uh, a former law a law party, par, partner of uh, Bill Barr, that's a setup. And see, people don't understand that private lending divisions of large banks like Deutsche Bank have – Deutsche Bank didn't have a U.S. operation until until they started funneling Russian oligarch money and they needed to have some way in which to do it to bring it in the United States. Prior to that, Deutsche Bank would have to funnel the money into Cyprus. Who you know from Cyprus Alpha? And I know well, I'm not they're two expert guess, Nobody Nobody. Who,
3: who Nobody. do you
4: know from Cyprus? Nobody. The, the 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 muck rash what what is the name of that stuff? The the Tara, Tar, Tar, Muckrash, Ash, what is that Ash stuff? Dimitri, whatever his name, who is the um king of potash, potash, potash king. Uh-huh. Um, from The potash king from the Ukraine and Wilbur Ross, who you know from Alpha Bank in Cyprus. I mean, because you know, we, we get surprised about corruption. Corruption has been in the U.S. government forever, forever. Well, yes. And it's did you hear Michael? Did man. you hear Michael Corn sit there? How the hell could he fix his mouth to talk about? He didn't know no about any Russian money laundering. Are you kidding me? Trump had to move out of Trump Tower. Uh, all the Russians were going to move out of Trump Tower because there was too much intelligence and FBI surveillance for secure and, and homeland security surveillance on Trump Tower for him to continue to live there. If he hadn't moved, all the run, uh, Russian money launderers were going to have to move, and that would have been a huge loss for him.
3: You know, Janice, when you speak about whether he wins or loses, he's going to quit, and uh, Mike Pence will pardon him. The Southern District of New York has to prosecute him. I mean, they'll take over, but for the major stuff. Yeah, but they have to prosecute him with extreme prejudice. With extreme prejudice. And I use yep. that I use those times because this is what it's come down to what they have been caught doing is the same as what Russia has been caught doing. When Joe Biden becomes president, if he doesn't slap sanctions on Russia as if our, all of our lives depend on. If he doesn't try to destroy the Russian
4: economy. On On the Soviet, on the Russian front, you see, this is all about Saudi Arabia and Russia wanting to rule the Middle East. That's what they want to do for the oil and the gas, natural gas. They want to be the oil and gas empire. I do not believe that any American president is going to have enough power to stop that. Look at the sanctions. That Barack Obama put in place against the Russians, so easily lifted, so easily violated, and they were too little, too late, and that was by design. And with that, I'm gonna let you go. With your Joe Biden gonna be president, I hope he does. I hope he does because we'll get. We'll get, it'll all be on the negative column, but Joe Biden will be at a minus two, and and Donald Trump will be at a minus 895. So there you go.
3: Well, Janice, thank you for calling. Uh, Well, my single mom just arrived
4: on my desk. Uh, Cause this, I will thank you, Alpha, for letting me get that off my chest. I do feel a little bit more sane than I did when I, I was really calling you because I'm your technician, and make sure you give yourself enough time to use the clothes, and and um, and also, you know, promo my, promo my show a little bit. Give us give us just a little break. <laughs> Thank you,
3: Alphonse. So, all right, thank you, Janice. Uh like like she said, that's the uh CEO, that's the boss. And um I wouldn't just let anybody call me and talk to me like that any any other... <laughs> Janice Graham of our common ground. Uh Saturday night, uh ten o'clock. Uh you can listen to Janice. On Wednesday nights also, well, not anymore. I've taken over her Wednesday night spot, so just Saturday nights. And um, don't miss her this, this Saturday. Who did she say was going to be on with her? Oh, she, she'll type it in there. She'll type it in the chat. I'm just so forgetful right now. But right now, um, I need to take a little break. But in this break, I'm going to play for you this white inferior clip.
6: The white race is an inferior race and the black race is a superior race. Um, I'd like for you to respond to those, uh, those claims. Thank you, um, Rock, to Mr. botok and to the uh, Poverty Law Center and to white and black people alike. Hate is always manifested not just with words, but with deeds. And if he and they, out of their hatred for us, have made books that they put in schools saying that the nation of Islam is a hate group, they have made films. And they put it before police departments that we are a hate group. They are the purveyors of hate against the nation of Islam. Now, if they've spent a million dollars a year on security, and yet all of this that they've done to us, yet they can't find one hateful act that any one of us has done to any one of them.
5: So what
6: is it about our doctrine that causes them to classify us as a hate group? Let me tell you simply what it is. Now, they say that we teach that white is inferior and black is superior. I don't know in what context you are speaking, because we as black people are in a very inferior position, not only in America, but in the Caribbean, in Central and South America, and in Africa. We once were in a superior position. But since two things can't occupy the same space at the same time, they are the ruling people of this time. So that's a lie or a misstatement of fact. But here's what we teach. And white folk teach it too. Uh, Let's see. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said two white people, cannot produce yellow, much less brown or black. But the black man in us and from us came every species of human being that is on our planet. That is not hate or racism. That is an absolute fact. Now, some white anthropologists, one of the main ones was Dr. Leakey. He was looking for the origin of man, and he didn't. He may have passed through Europe, but he didn't stay there. He went to Africa, and he found the bones of a man 750,000 years of age and they called him Zinj Anthropus. Zinj meaning black, anthropus meaning man, and Zinj had a father. So they kept on searching, and they found bones of black people a million and a half, two million, three million years. We are considered in the Bible the ancient of days. You cannot find our origin. In the earth or in the sun, you find it with God. Now, having said that, does that mean we are superior? In the genetic sense, absolutely. If you keep bothering us, black folk shoot not AK-47s. They shoot something. That if we mix with you, you are gone. We stay. So genetically, you are inferior. That's not your mentality. That's not your creativity. That's your genetic makeup. We can wipe you off the earth just cohabiting with you. And that's why your population is going down. Now, we didn't do that. You're the one that's promoting into marriage now. Yes, there was a time when you would kill a black man for looking under a white woman's dress that was hanging on a clothesline. Now that's hate. We don't do that. We are telling the truth. You came from us. You are are the Adam of the Bible, and we are the us that made man in our image and after our likeness, and we are the us that gave you time on our planet for you to live your life for six thousand years, and we would not interfere with your rule until the coming of God. God is present now, and the truth is present now. So we are your alpha, and we are your omega. You began from us, and you will end with us. That's real. That's not hate. That's your scripture. Now let's go to real. No, no, I got to finish this, (laughs) Rob. Uh, I'm, I'm just getting warmed up here.
5: <laughs>
6: Believe me, see, once you open Pandora's box, you can't take what's coming out of it. See, but you opened it. Now, isn't it true that in the Talmudic, the Babylonian Talmud, this is Jewish literature? that it was a Jewish rabbi that introduced the thought that black people are the children of Ham and are doomed, as scriptures say, to be hewers of wood and drawers of water, that we are not black uh, out of uh, this creation of God. We are cursed black. Wrong. But you put that out. Is that love or is that Hey, how many uh, Muslims have segregated you? You down in Alabama, Mr. Potok. And in Alabama, who was it that put up white and black drinking fountains? Who put up white and black uh, hotel, motel? See, you are the author of that, and that speaks to your hatred of us. We didn't do that to you. You all did that to us. Right now, in the movie, there's a history of the great ball player, Jackie Robinson. Robinson. Look at what that man had to suffer to bring and open the door to black and brown and yellow to become a part of baseball. There you go. Uh, I'll
3: play that. And I played it last week, and I'll continue to play it because it must be spoken more than once. Janice guest Saturday, tomorrow, tomorrow, this Wednesday. Saturday night will be Nina Turner uh, of the Ohio representative, Ohio state representative, who was a big backer of Bernie Sanders and now she's got her arms folded and she's pouting and she refuses to vote for Joe Biden for whatever reason. Uh, This is one of the people I say, where are you
5: going?
3: Pissed at Joe Biden? I've got no gigantic love for Joe Biden. What I have is this um, exceptional dislike this hatred for Donald Trump. So enter Joe Biden, okay, for now. But we are coming, we are coming for the heads of the Democratic Party, the Chuck Schumers, the Dick Durbins, all of those who are corporate Democrats. Barack Obama has been president, He's gone, but he and Clinton were corporate Democrats. So I can't, they don't get off the hook. This is about progressive liberals. People who want to see us wean ourselves, not run away from fossil fuels, because that's impossible. Wean ourselves off of fossil fuels to renewable energy, renewable jobs, and to make this country a healthier, better place. Everyone in the next four years with a Joe Biden presidency, there should be no we're looking forward, not backwards there should be prosecution with extreme prejudice and basically use the treasonous behavior of the Trump administration and all of those involved, the Mike
10: Pence's.
3: Um, What's that clown's name? the one who um, talks so much nonsense about the economy. I can't think of his economic advisor's name, nor can I think of the other clown's name. There's so many of these clowns. The uh, Wilbur Ross, he should go to jail for perjury, period. Period. No, but he's so old, I don't give a damn. If Donald Trump loses this, He will resign and Mike Pence will pardon him. That should be looked into. The pardon for Roger Stone should be looked into. There are enough former prosecutors who are never Trumpers. Call them what you want to call them. But right now, Glenn Kirchner comes to my mind. He is looking to open a Trump crime investigation. Yeah, that's right, Navarro, Peter Navarro. He should be prosecuted with extreme prejudice. Anyone who misled the American people, 300,000 will have died because Trump downplayed this pandemic when he knew better, when he knew better. The first piece of the, the first tape of the Woodward book that I played earlier in the show was depraved and different. That's how I named it. And I've named another one. It's just called Depraved. And it speaks upon the thousands of people whose lives could have been saved. Think about it. February 7th. Put the call out for masks. You wouldn't have had to shut the government down. All you would have done was saved lives. But he wasn't interested in saving lives. This bastard was interested in how he could make money, how he could peddle this virus and turn it into a money-making enterprise by peddling masks, (laughs) PPE equipment, The whole nine yards. But when he found that he had to shut down the economy and shelter in place was the only way, he found that it destroyed his inherited good economy. That's something I've heard twice from the Biden Harris campaign how Donald Trump inherited a fledgling, growing economy of Barack Obama and poured, you know, when Obama came into office, he tried to get a stimulus package, and Republicans refused to give it to him. Republicans held it back. Republicans whittled it down to 800 million, 800 million, 800, anyway, Barack Obama came in with the least amount of stimulus in the stimulus package that he passed, 800 million it was, and everybody said it should have been bigger, but instead of Barack Obama holding out and fighting for a bigger package, He settled for what he got. And from what he got, the $800 million, he pulled the economy back from over the cliff and resurrected an economy with history-making, record-setting job growth. And that's what Trump inherited. And what Trump did was poured one and a half trillion dollars, $1.5 trillion on top of that and the economy basically moved to where it was before he had to shut it down proving that stimulus was the right move in the early Obama administration and that it should have been bigger and now we're 12 years and there's been no infrastructure bill. there's been absolutely nothing to shore up our infrastructure bridges will begin to fall roads crumble people will die when you get to that point When we get to that place, we will be, the Biden administration will be the ones under attack. And there is no way. And they will say it. There is no way that Kamala Harris can be president or no way Biden can be reelected. Republicans will drill this and say this over and over and over and over and over because repetition is what works on a herd of ignorance, and that is the American people. Only a few people, only a few people will know better, just like only a few people knew better when you could see that Donald Trump was basically shutting off communication, basically controlling information, just like he did with the pandemic. It all goes through the White House and Mike Pence. He took over the FDA, the CDC. He threw the World Health Organization. He threw them out because he had no control over them. Controlling the information and branding it with your own messaging is what he did. And he didn't just do that because he knew. He did that at the behest of this coach, Vladimir Putin. All roads lead to Russia. Our downfall benefits Russia. Donald Trump wins again. We will pull out of NATO, and Russia will be, will become the world power, and they will have to do it over China's dead body. And because China has the same setup as Russia, they won't be able to do. The United States must (laughs) literally, Cold War scenario, destroy Russia. Our troops are at, at risk. The people are at risk. Donald Trump has allowed the pandemic to weaken us as a country inside and outside. Why would any of our allies trust us? At this point, we must grab and pull and do whatever we have to do to restore that. This is the first depraved. Well, it's actually the second depraved. But this was the second one that I – clip that I pulled that explains it more of what his downplaying did to this country.
11: Well, you know, I think since uh, since that time, Wolf, uh, going back to February 27th, I, I had always wondered, did the president – know and, and just wasn't telling us because, you know, the data was, was coming out at that point. I, the numbers that I was citing to him were numbers that were in the medical journals and I thought that his health team, his public health team would probably brief him on that and he would know this. So I didn't know whether he didn't know or he, ju- or he knew and he just was, he was lying and, and not telling, you know, not acknowledging what he knew at the time. Now I think, you know, it's pretty clear, uh, 20 days earlier. He says that the coronavirus is deadlier than the flu and even says five times deadlier than the flu, which is very interesting. You know, the the data that was coming out around that time suggested it was around that number. So clearly, uh, you know, he had been briefed, I think, before he gave that interview to to Bob Woodward or he he had uh, had a conversation with the president of China. I, I, I don't know how he got that, but clearly he knew three weeks earlier and then when I asked him, he said, no, the flu is clearly much worse. So that's a, that's a huge problem. And I think, you know, we talk about this lost month of February, Wolf. I mean, that's the time frame here we're talking about, February 7th when he gave that interview to Woodward, February 27th when you he just heard that exchange
2: with me. Yeah, could have saved a lot, a lot of lives if he would have taken direct action in early February. Uh, and, Sanjay, the decision to publicly downplay the coronavirus, delay implementation of the uh, measure of social distancing, mm-hmm. wearing masks, stuff like that ultimately cost a lot of American lives. We have no idea how many, but presumably, some suggest tens of thousands, more than 190,000 Americans have now died. 6.3 million Americans have come down with coronavirus. Uh, Those numbers could have been way lower, right? Right.
11: I think without a doubt, Wolf. I mean, you're right. It's hard to, to, to know exactly uh, how much lower. We, we do know, as you and I have talked about for so many months now, Wolf, there are other countries, such as South Korea, uh, where the first patient was diagnosed on the same day the first patient was diagnosed in the United States. They've had fewer than 350 people total die during this pandemic and we've had over 190,000, so you know, we could have implemented some of those same types of measures, perhaps, that other countries did and had a significantly lower death toll. Columbia University, I'll just show you this, uh, this modeling quickly, uh, in May they sort of said, okay, now if we look back and say, had we gone into this sort of pause mode earlier, even a week earlier, by that point, and I'm talking about again in May, they think they could have, uh, it would have prevented at least 36,000 deaths two weeks earlier, Eighty-four percent of deaths, they say, could have been prevented. Again, these are models, but I think to your, to your question, Wolf, there's, there's no question that, that um, a lot of lives could have been saved. The majority, I would say, of lives could have been saved.
2: You know, Dr. Frieden, uh, you're the former head of the CDC. Uh, given what we now know about the president's knowledge of this virus back in early February, what should the federal response to this virus have looked like uh,
10: starting in February? Well, there's a proven way of communicating about health emergencies. Be first, be right, be credible, be empathetic, give people practical, useful things to do. If you think about those five things, none of them have been done. Not first, not right, not credible, not empathetic, and not giving people things to do. What that means is we didn't start wearing masks when we should have. We didn't take it seriously. We didn't shut down soon enough in some places, and other places we shut down too soon, too long. This has been a failed federal response. The U.S. is a global laggard in our response, and we're coming up to a new really important decision, vaccine. What are people going to think when people talk about the vaccine? We have to be able to trust or we can't control the pandemic, and for epidemics, those key principles of being honest and telling people what you know, when you know it, that's essential, not just for uh, the the talking point, that's essential for what people do to stop the spread of a deadly virus.
2: You know, Dr. Frieden, uh, uh, Dr. Fauci, a man you know, a man Sanjay knows well, I know him, he's quoted in Bob Woodward's book as telling others that President Trump's leadership and his word was rudderless, and he reiterated yesterday that the public trust is absolutely essential to combating this health crisis. If you're going to convince people uh, to wear a mask, stay home, socially distance, get a vaccine, all of those things, Dr. Fried, require public trust and cooperation, yet we now know the president has been actually misleading the American public since the very beginning of this outbreak. How damaging is that?
10: Well, Uh, For many months, many of us in public health have just been uh, totally surprised to see the lack of concerted, focused federal leadership in communication, in planning, in guiding the response. This is the biggest public health emergency in 100 years. The federal government drilled for this, was ready for this. And, in fact, if you look at the things that the CDC was saying at that time, They were accurate and honest. They were saying disruption to everyday life may be severe. We have to behave as if this is a pandemic. We have to be humble because there's a lot we don't know about this virus. That was accurate. If they had been allowed to continue to lead the public communication, we would have understood why it's important to wear masks. We would have understood why it's important to shut down and been able to open up earlier. It would have saved both lives and money. You know, Sanjay, uh,
2: Dr. Fauci is quoted in the book Uh, by Bob Woodward, of being very critical of the president's attention span. How important is it to have a leader who actually pays attention to all the the very important details during a public health crisis like this?
5: Somebody,
3: can somebody please, somebody please explain this to me? How is it that this is? Not borderline. This is right there. This is criminal. This is criminal. And why this isn't being pounded repeatedly over and over about this president and his leadership and his lack of leadership. He has allowed hundreds of thousands to die because he didn't want to panic. What about the panic now? What about 300,000 dead now? What about the hospital bills that people who are lucky enough to have survived this, what about the hospital bills that they're going to get? Why are you in court fighting to eliminate the Affordable Care Act, which will plunge millions into bankruptcy, medical bankruptcy, Why is it that this president is so intent on destroying the very inner fabric for Vladimir Putin and weakening this country for Vladimir Putin? Why is it that so many Republicans are so willing to destroy this country to destroy our democracy. And unless you accuse them of this, it will never come out. This is the time when you can point to Republicans and say they are enablers. They are the ones who should keep us up overnight to worry about this as absolutely incensed me that Democrats have failed in their response to the lack of response from the Republican and by the Republican Party, the complicit Republican Party. Don't talk to me about My colleagues on the other side, my friends on the other side, they can't be treated as such. They are the ones who are promoting civil war and violence if Trump loses. They are the ones who are backing Donald Trump, the worst president in the history of this country will go down in history as being that of Donald Trump. And something tells me that this is not going to happen. I can't wait to speak with Nina Turner on our common ground because I just want to... I just just a friendly conversation. I don't know if Janice is going to take my call now. I'm not going to offend her. I'm just going to ask her a question. Where the hell are you going? Where in the hell are you going? You may as well vote for Donald Trump. And I know it's better than that. I used to admire her. I used to admire her because she's a strong black woman who basically spoke to to power. And now because she's had a political setback, she wants to take her ball and go home. They tell you this is the election of your life. And vote like your life depends on it, because it does. And the same should be told to the poor Blacks who are under the thumb of this systemic racism, who are feeling the pain of voting rights violations, who are feeling the pain of disenfranchisement, you cannot set this one out. Too many black people have set this out. Too many people are responsible. for their inaction. I want to thank Janice Graham for her call. I like it when Janice calls. She always spreads light on the topic. And she basically gives me a time for a little rest. And so I'll close with this. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty.
4: This has been another exciting episode of The Alpha Show. We appreciate your listenership. Thank you for joining us at TruthWorks Network, The Alpha Show. Join us next Wednesday, 10 p.m. That's where we
3: are. And that's why it's almost... Will bewitching out. It's almost checkmate. It's almost that time. The time is of no return. It's almost the time when we won't be able to recover because recovery simply will not be in the cards for us. We cannot. I repeat, we cannot continue down this road because this road is headed for the ultimate dead end.
5: It thinks we're all the mother Who are they to judge us? Mother, mother Simply calls me where I have all Mother, mother, mother
9: what you might be thinking. These two circles are not equal. I repeat, these two circles are not equal. One is in fact larger than the other. What I need you to do is determine which one that is. So, please raise your hand if you believe the blue circle is larger than the red. Alright. Please raise your hand if you believe the red circle is larger than the blue. Alright, very good. Now, before I said anything about these two circles, what was your first instinct? Equal, right? because they look equal. And the reason why they look equal is because, in fact, they are equal. These two circles are identical. (laughs) Yet I got just about every one of you to raise your hand and say that they're not. So what do we learn? That you can be manipulated like that to believe in something that goes against your natural instincts. Just just imagine, just imagine, as a child, you're taught that the blue circle is larger than the red. If you say it enough times, you convince yourself that's the truth. If you're told the lie enough times, it becomes part of your reality. And if enough people are taught that lie, that the blue circle is larger than the red, well now it becomes part of the culture. And if that culture then passes that misinformation along to the next generation, well now it becomes tradition. And what we have to remember is that just because we have a tradition doesn't mean it's morally acceptable. Tradition and morality are not always the same. I mean, can you think of any traditions that we once had in the United States of America that we no longer have? That today we think back and that was immoral. Slavery, right? Less than 200 years ago. And that was a tradition. So the traditions we have today doesn't necessarily mean they're morally acceptable. And as we evolve as a culture, so do our traditions. Now, the matrix is a story. It's a story when told enough times to enough
2: be the godfather of this?
12: Well, to be clear, uh, without the courage of Occupy and the work of fast food workers around the country, we would not be having this charming conversation. But, you know, uh, so if you care about this country, then you're interested in not seeing it ripped apart by economic inequality. And if you care about fixing that, you have to go straight at the ideas Mm. that propelled economic inequality. Because our policy is driven by ideas, and the ideas that have framed this debate are what I affectionately call trickle-down economics, which is really three things: it is tax cuts for the rich, deregulation for the powerful, and wage suppression for everyone else. And to understand how wage suppression works, it's important to understand, you know, it, it, the, the idea that drives that is this incredible, insidious, repeated thing, which is. If, if jobs go up, employment goes down. If, if, if oh, wages yes. go up, employment goes down.
2: Right? That, yeah, that, No, that's bullshit. I always that was
12: That's bullshit. right. And, and, and the thing is, is that it has been repeated endlessly in right. our country. And the facts are, there right. is no evidence for this whatsoever. But if you can get the broad public to believe, that if wages go up, employment will go down, you yes. get 40 years of I, I, wage suppression.
2: The, the uh, former CEO of McDonald's said a couple of weeks ago that uh, if we have to raise wages, you know, we'd have to go to, we'd have to, go to automatic servers. You know what? Bullshit, because yeah. they already would have done that I, if, if they, they could have. If if of
12: course. Of course. And so the thing about the $15 minimum wage is that it is a way to litigate that idea by showing people that, in fact, the fundamental dynamic in a, in a, in a capitalist uh, economy is that when workers have more money, businesses have more customers and hire more and also, workers.
2: The other thing is, one thing I know about being poor, because I was poor, yeah. is you eat shit. Yes. You have to eat shit. Yes. That's the way our country is designed. Yes. Only wealthier people can buy, you know, whole paycheck. Yes. Is what they call Whole Foods. Yes. You know. Right. Okay. And what is the biggest sucker of our uh, budget is health care. Yes. If people didn't right. have to eat shit, no. then we wouldn't have this giant health care bill that we you know, don't know how it, to deal it, with. You know, keeping
12: the minimum wage low, and it is, you know, the minimum wage is at historically low levels. If it had tracked inflation, it'd it would be ten and a half bucks. If it had tracked productivity, it would be $22. Right. If it had tracked the wages of the top 1%, it would be $28 today. Keeping the minimum wage low is the most awful form of...
7: Steve Schmidt, does anyone grow courage within the Republican Party uh, because the returning Congress will see a shift of power against this president?
13: Absolutely not. The Republican Party (laughs) won't be chastened, it'll be emboldened. The Republicans that have lost, the lesson that will be taken from this election is they lost because they didn't embrace Trumpism fully. That had they engaged in the incitement tactics that will have worked in states like Ohio, where Mike DeWine was elected governor, in Florida, where Gillum went down to DeSantis. That's the lesson. That's the takeaway from Republicans. But we shouldn't bury the lead here. And the lead is this. We know something right now that we didn't know this morning. And that is, come January, there's a check on Donald Trump. Democrats hold the subpoena power. The unchecked corruption is at its end. All of the Trump officials who have abused the taxpayer, who have serially lied to the country, they now will be held to account. I disagree with Donna that very much is going to get done. I think nothing will get done. Our politics is broken. It's paralyzed. There will be chaos. It will get worse. But Donald Trump will be much less able to abuse his power than he was for the last two years. That's the headline out of tonight. The other thing that comes out of tonight is this, is Donald Trump has stoked what I've called a cold civil war in this country. He's pitted the country regionally against each other. He's turned different races against each other, different religions against each other. And we see the battle lines and where they're being drawn. Trumpism was repudiated in suburban America, in urban America today it was emboldened and validated in rural america today and that's going to have enormous implications as we get ready for the presidential election
8: hey there i'm chris hayes from M- Trump has got this strategy uh, for blowing up the the DNC, and in fact, he bragged about it yesterday. He bragged about how you know every day he's been able to disrupt the news cycle for the Democrats. They say I'm not supposed to to campaign while while they're having their their convention, but here I am campaigning. Campaigning, right? Um, I, I. It's like the guy can't start a sentence without I. Um, so. Listening to this yesterday as Donald Trump asked a foreign government, uh, whether it was Russia or China or North Korea or, or Germany or France, I don't care which government it is, a candidate for one of the two major parties in the United States of America called on a foreign government to hack the computers... Of the Secretary of State of the United States of America. Now, Steve Israel, who uh, used to run the the DCCC, uh, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, I'm not sure if he still does, but I think he does. But uh, a Democratic congressman from New York, Steve, Steve Israel had, this is clip number nine, had this to say about Trump.
10: Well, that borders on treason. I mean, it, and never before have I heard of or seen a candidate, not just for president, but for anything, invite a foreign spy agency to hack America's computers. There
8: you go. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are shocked by this. I would like to uh, point out, and the Democrats are, are, are way too Oh, What's the word? Thoughtful, considerate, care about the future of our nation, Um, gentlemen and women, uh, whatever, to point out what I'm about to point out. But I'm telling you, if this had happened on the other side, if a Democrat had said this, and if a Democrat had the skeletons in their closet, if the Democratic Party had skeletons in their closet that I'm about to share with you about the Republicans— then the wrath of God would have come down on Donald Trump yesterday. So what am I talking about here? What Donald Trump did by calling for a foreign government to hack the computers of the State Department, basically, and and Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, What what he did was arguably treason. And, uh, you know, the, there's a long history in the United States of our being very upset about that. I mentioned yesterday the XYZ affair. And, you know, maybe you've had an opportunity to Google it or look it up or read about it. It's actually a chapter about it in my book, uh, What Would Jefferson Do? At least there was when I wrote it. I don't know if it made it into the final book. But I remember writing the chapter. I remember reading the whole thing. It was fascinating, Jefferson's papers. Where, you know, back in the, I, uh, back in the, the late 1700s, they thought that, and that the, the country of France was trying to mess with our elections. And uh, it just infuriated the founding generation, infuriated. But this is not new. Treason by a Republican presidential nominee is not new. Back, it started with Nixon, as far as we know. I mean, it might go back way before that, but I, I have a hard time believing that Dwight Eisenhower committed treason to become president. Or, for that matter, even you know Harding and and uh, Coolidge and, and and Hoover in the nineteen twenties. I doubt that they committed treason. I think they just ran their campaigns and they got elected. But in nineteen sixty eight, Lyndon Johnson had negotiated peace in Vietnam, successfully negotiated peace in Vietnam, and Nixon learned about it. And the CIA was wiretapping the South Vietnamese, and they came to Lyndon Johnson and they said. Richard Nixon's people are talking via Anna Chenault, the, the representative of the president of South Vietnam. Um, Richard Nixon's people are talking to the South Vietnamese and telling them, don't go with the peace deal. And Lyndon Johnson called up his, and this was just released a couple of years ago by the Lyndon Johnson Library. And no, no Democrats pointed it out, which astonishes me. I've been pointing it out over and over on this show. Lyndon Johnson called up Everett Dirksen. Those of you old enough to remember, Everett Dirksen was an honorable man. He he was one of the last of that generation of honorable Republicans. He was the Senate Majority Leader. He, He ran the Senate, a job that Lyndon Johnson used to have. And he called up Everett Dirksen, and this was the conversation they had. Here's the latest latest uh,
5: information we got. The agent says that uh, she's just they just talked to the boss in New Mexico. Uh-huh. And that he says that you must hold out. Just hold on until after the election. We know what Chu is saying to them out there. Yeah. We're pretty well informed on both ends. Now, I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. That's right. And they oughtn't to be doing this. This is treason. I know.
8: And they oughtn't to be doing this, Everett. This is treason. I know. And then there was a whole series of conversations and you can find them over at the Johnson Library. So so Richard Nixon committed treason in 1968 by involving a foreign government to blow up the efforts of a sitting president to bring peace to Vietnam. And had that peace happened, it would have saved some 20,000 American lives and probably a million Vietnamese lives, not to mention Cambodians and Laotians. The second one was Ronald Reagan in 1980 When the hostages were taken in Iran, Abdul Hassan Bani Sadr ran for president of Iran in the summer of 1980 and and won on a platform, as he said, as he wrote for the Christian Science Monitor. He said, I won the election with over 76% of the vote. Uh, He said, I openly opposed the hostage taking throughout the election campaign. He says, I was deposed in June 1981 as a result of a coup against me. After arriving in France, I told a BBC reporter that I left Iran to expose the symbiotic relationship between Khomeiniism and Reaganism. I told a Khomeini and Ronald Reagan had organized a clandestine negotiation, later known as the October Surprise, which prevented the attempts by myself and then-President uh, Jimmy Carter to free the hostages before the U.S. 1980 election took place. The fact that they were not released tipped the results of the election in favor of Reagan. Two of my advisors, Hassan Nabab Sabivi and Sadr El havtazi were executed by Khomeini's regime because they had become aware of the secret relationship between Khomeini, his son Ahmed, the Islamic Republican Party, and the Reagan administration. And this became what we refer to as Iran-Contra. We, by October, before the election, the month before the election, we were transshipping via Israel spare, spare aircraft parts, specifically tires, to Iran. And for the next three or four years, we were selling illegally, under the table, illegally, in violation of sanctions, the Reagan administration was selling weapons to Iran in exchange for them holding the hostages until the minute that Reagan put his hand in the Bible. So what Donald Trump is doing in committing treason, using a foreign government to manipulate a U.S. election, is part of a proud Republican tradition.
0: guarantee loans, predatory bank lending, convict leasing, which utilize black labor but does not transfer the wealth. I wish that I could say that this wealth disparity in America was isolated only in America, but it's not. All the wealth that was generated that helped to make Britain great, so-called, the British Empire, all of this came from enslavement and colonialism and ill-gotten gains. And it links to this modern discussion around inequality and the huge gap between the nations, not only in terms of Britain and Europe, but also the rest of the world, and in particular, Africa and the Caribbean.
14: I think there's been a lot of debate over here. At least I've heard there's been a lot of debate. I just came in from uh, California earlier today, and before that, I was in um, Michigan campaigning for Abdul El-Sayed, Feirouz Saad, Rashida Tlaib, David Bennett, Rob Davidson, all candidates who refuse to take corporate money. All candidates who believe we need to end the war on drugs. All candidates who believe tuition-free college is the future, that Medicare for all is the future, that an aggressive action on climate change is is the future, because that is the future. Because that is the future. I believe that sometimes we we make some mistakes, that we, we have this idea in our brain of what a swing voter is. But after spending this time in the Midwest, after talking to folks constantly, I think we realize that swing voters don't vote for the person who's moderate enough, the person who is most timid, the person who backs down from their starting point. That is not who the swing voter votes for. The swing voter votes for authenticity. The swing voter votes for the person they think is championing them the most. The swing voter votes for person who thinks that puts them first. And the swing voter, as, as was mentioned earlier, as I've been saying on the campaign trail, is not just red to blue, it's non-voter to voter. That's our swing voter. It's no mistake, it is uh, no secret, that over the last 10 years we've lost a lot of seats in this country. We've lost a lot of state assembly seats, city councils, gubernatorial ships, mayoral ships. We've lost the House, the Senate, and the presidency. But that's all right, because it's always darkest before dawn. It's always darkest before dawn. Every time we knock on a door is a ray of sunlight. Every time we pick up a phone, it is contributing to that light. And right now, we need a burst between now and November. We have a lot of organizing that we need to do. But I think that uh, you know, sometimes the greatest success on the other end is the fact that they have won while clinging tighter and tighter to their base while convincing us to stray from ours. We need to realize the consciousness of the Democratic Party, I believe. And I believe that it's time to come home. I think it's time for us to come home. It's time to remember that universal college education, trade school, a federal jobs guarantee, exploration of a universal basic income were not all proposed in 2016. They were proposed in 1940 by the President of the United States, by the Democratic President of the United States. These are not new ideas. We are picking up where we last left off when we were last most powerful, when we were our last greatest. The the Democratic Party, it's time to own that our party was the one of the Great Society, of the New Deal, of the Civil Rights Act. That's our party. That's who we are. And it's time for us to come home. Because when working people realize that we are fighting for them the most, they will fight for us, too. That is is what we have shown. So I think that um, when we realize, again, that it was the Democratic Party that established coast-to-coast electricity, the interstate highway system, and the women's right to choose, when we own that and accept that,
8: Life. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.